Welcome to the In Your 20s podcast, where we figure out what the we're doing in our 20s. Raise your hand if you're afraid of commitment. No? Just me? Probably not. What's up, guys? I'm Tina with an H, and you're listening to the In Your 20s podcast. And by the title of today's show, you're probably like, what the fuck am I about to get myself into? Honestly, strap yourselves in, because we are going on a wild ride of dating, relationships, commitment, and even marriage. Yes, I said marriage. Yes, I'm freaking out because the thought of marriage, let alone the thought of commitment, freaks me the fuck out. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't get married till 45. Even though technically, like, I have this life plan where I really, really, really wanted to get married by the age of 27 or around that age. That was my life goal, I guess you could say, one of my life goals up until maybe when I turned 20 and I realized that that was seven years away. And now being 22, I realize it's five years away and there's no way that I can get married in five years because I literally have never had a boyfriend. So that is not going to be happening. Maybe 28, maybe 29. But I think once I get to 30, that's when it's going to start to that's when it's going to start to intervene with my whole I want four kids plan and I want my first kid by the age of 29. So we're going to figure it all out. If you guys ever want me to do a deep dive of where I thought my life was going and how it's actually going, let me know. Maybe I'll do that for the 20th episode or not because guys, we are so close to 20 episodes. Well, depending, maybe like a month away, depending on when you're listening to this, but yeah, we're close. Crazy to think that we started this podcast back in April. Today's episode, I sit down with Yahim and Natasha to talk about all things commitment. They are relationship goals. <laughs> their relationship goals and their relationship coaches. They've been together for about a decade at this point, and they've done a lot during their time together. Throughout the show, we discuss a wide range of things from pleasure traps to being in an open relationship and not being in an open relationship and going back and forth with all of that. We talk about what happens when you stop watching porn, what happens when you don't have sex, like the amount of topics that we touch on in this episode, it's a lot, but you guys are going to learn so much. I learned a lot and I think even though I was probably at like a 90% afraid of commitments before, I sat down and chatted with them. I'd say I'm at a solid 70%, maybe 60, maybe 60. I'll let you guys decide for yourselves. But before we get into that, I thought I'd give you guys my own little life update. This week has been pretty chill, I guess you could say. I haven't really digressed too much. I haven't fully cried. I only cried once this week. As you guys know, I'm a very emotional, sensitive person. So I was very proud of myself for only crying once. I picked up my guitar Cheyenne. I'm currently trying to learn either Sweet Creature or what's, oh my gosh, what's the name of the song? Stranger slash Forever. Beautiful Stranger. I don't know. It's a Halsey song. I'm trying to learn those two songs. They're both, they both involve finger picking and I have not picked up my girl Cheyenne in about two and a half, maybe three years. So I'm super rusty. Fingers crossed I can learn both of these songs by the end of the summer. As far as work goes, work is work. I work at nine to six. It is what it is. 
Love life, non-existent as always. What else is new, guys? I think I'm going to start sliding into people's DMs, though, because why not? A bitch is bored, so I might as well go for it. And as far as living arrangements, because as you guys have been following along, I have been looking for apartments with my friend Dina, who is on the episode Fighting with Friends, which is kind of ironic that we recorded an episode called Fighting with Friends and we're moving in together. But tune in to see why we are moving in together in episode four and you guys will understand it all. But yeah, we are looking at apartments. She's actually been doing all of the traveling and seeing these apartments because I've been working every single weekday and that's the only time we can go see these places. But we are about five minutes away from signing a lease. Kind of wild. Can't believe it's happening. My first actual apartment. I gotta go and do that. So I'm gonna leave you guys here and we're just gonna get right into the episode. Welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. So uh, before we get started, why don't you guys introduce yourselves, tell us your ages, and also a random fun fact you guys have learned in your 20s. Oof. I'm 29. I'm Natasha. I'm 30 and I'm Joachim. And I learned that when you go to Switzerland and you've studied for three years in preparation, studying German, you won't be able to understand a person in German because in Switzerland, people speak Swiss German. So that's my <laughs> humbling uh, thing I learned in my 20s. <laughs> my jaw is on the like floor right now. How? What? Wow. Okay. Awesome. And Yahim, what about you? Uh, a fun fact I learned is that you can't outrun yourself. I moved to America for two and a half years, and I later realized that I was trying to run away from myself. But, you know, in America, I was there as well. So, <laughs> so you can't escape yourself. For sure. I like both of those answers. Wow. These tips, I love asking guests uh, these random facts because I would not know either of those things. So thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, we're going to get right into the episode. And you guys are relationship coaches. You know, you mainly focus on committed relationships. But obviously, you guys, like, you guys are together. You've been together for 10 years, married for six, correct? Yes, that's right. So it's a pretty long time. Would you guys mind going the beginning stages of your? Well, it's really, really, um, what would you call it? Like a accidental meeting. We met when, because I'm Canadian. So we met when I was on my way from Toronto to Paris, my first time in Europe ever. And I was transferring at the London Heathrow Airport. And as luck would have it, there was a tiny bit of snow and everything shut down. So nothing was flying in. And luggage were building into huge piles and we couldn't go anywhere. And Yakim was going in two different places and coming from different places. But somehow we were stuck at the same place and I sat down next to him at the airport and we ended up staying three days together in London because we couldn't leave the island. So that's how we met. I was only 19 or 20 around that time. And we were so young and really different people. But that's how we met. And then afterwards, we started this long distance relationship. Back in the day, it was still 
GChat and like Messenger, just texting. No, not not through the phone even, right? Just like um, typing to each other via Gmail, and then that slowly grew into something, and we start to meet each other somewhere in the world, and we ended up having a two to three year long distance relationship. Mm. And at some point, I could no longer imagine our future i just saw the two of us back then we were using skype i just saw the two of us with gray hair still skyping each other maybe into our 70s or 80s and i couldn't handle it so i realized at some point someone would need to move somewhere so that we could be together so i actually took the leap i was finishing my studies and then i went over to switzerland and struggle with the language in the beginning even though I prepared uh, and then yeah things just kept on going from there that is literally the cutest thing I have ever heard oh my what are the chances <laughs> I'm gonna say that like this past summer I was um in Barcelona and our flight got delayed because there were airline strikes I guess they weren't getting paid enough something along those lines so I was stuck in Barcelona for an extra day with two of my friends and usually when I say stuck in Barcelona everyone's like yeah I wish I was stuck in Barcelona and I was like no I had already had such a rough trip I just wanted to get home and so I could go back to work to distract myself and me and my friends met these two guys and like I follow one of them on Instagram because we just had a nice chat at dinner but it never developed into that. <laughs> I'm not dating him or long distance. That is so remarkable. <laughs> it was not love at first sight for neither oh. of us, though. So it wasn't one of those. <laughs> it just Magical. kept growing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it I still, growing. I love that. So when did you guys, after, you know, you guys were long distance for a while and then Natasha, you moved, when did, what time did you guys think it was time to level up your relationship? Like, what were those steps that took you from dating to saying, okay, I'm ready to be fully committed to you? Well, actually, that took quite some time because we also were experimenting with having an open relationship and, and you know, trying polyamory and all kinds of things. Uh, and part of that was not wanting to commit really and thinking, you know, we're different and we're not just going to follow what society thinks is the right form of a relationship. And so even while we were married, we were still um, in this kind of space. And so only, I don't actually remember when it was, but it was a, a transition through that where we realized, you know, actually we do want to have this relationship and we want to properly commit to it. And there's a richness and a beauty that can only unfold when you really are like, okay, this is it. Uh, because otherwise you can keep the door open for other options and you don't really get into the nitty-gritty stuff of a relationship. When you guys were you know, experimenting with different relationships, how, how was that conversation? What did you guys say to each other? It was easier at the beginning because we were in a long-distance relationship for two to three years. So that meant that we would only see each other maybe one week when we were together or sometimes if we were lucky three weeks together, but that would maybe come by four times a year, like every quarter we would see each other. So 
Even though we had all this communication, right? That I said, you know, we were writing each other a lot. And then later on, we were calling each other a lot. There was such a long period of time where physically we were alone, right? By ourselves and like different time zones and all that crazy stuff too. So at some point, I think I started it. I asked Yachim if it, it was okay that I was seeing other people. And it wasn't for like my emotional needs or anything. It was just that he was never physically there with me. And so I think at the beginning, it was a conversation of like, oh, would that be all right? Since, you know, we're apart and you can't provide that for me. But at, the, at that moment, what I was really chasing and I didn't know then was was this pleasure trap, right? So it's like, okay, I'm not, I don't have enough pleasure in that space, so let me go get it. And I wasn't really thinking too much or too far ahead about our relationship and how that would really impact him. But I think when someone brought it up, like when I brought it up, I think you just wanted to agree to it. Well, I had from the beginning a uh, an idea of, of wanting to have this kind of relationship, an open relationship. I actually think uh, I even, I was talking up before you even wanted to go out and, and all that. We were talking about it quite early on um, because it was something that was important to us. And so we, we, we wanted to explore it. We wanted to go into it and both were on board with it. Not, not, not to say that it wasn't emotionally difficult, you know, when it's one thing to talk about this theoretically, but if your boyfriend or girlfriend asks you whether they can go out and see someone else, then it does hit home emotionally for you. So it wasn't always easy. And then um, I think it was a whole progression. When we, when we, when I moved to uh, Switzerland and we were living together, we were like, oh, finally, finally we're together. So now you know we can be really committed to each other but then at that same time we at that point so not anymore but at that time we were still feeling pulled to keep exploring and also to test this theory of whether love should be like free for all like like uh, almost like a very hippie mindset of like okay love is such a great thing I want to be able to share it I want to be able to share with everyone and, you know, do I really belong to you or do you really belong to me? And can you really give everything to me? So we were in this space where we were trying to test that out and figure that out. And um, this whole experience, because it was open relationship and it was kind of half open and it was just, we went through so many stages but the whole time we were trying to test whether, you know, these ideas we had in our heads, whether it stood true or not. It's so hard to think about it because I, I feel like I kind of have that hippie mindset too. So to speak, like I just kind of want to explore because I personally, 22, am afraid as fuck of love. It freaks me out. Don't know how it's possible. I mean, you guys are giving me hope right now. So I barely am enjoying this. <laughs> but it it's hard you know you never know what could be out there for you you don't know if you found the one but around what time in your relationship like what year would you say that you guys decided to just be monogamous well as we mentioned so we had we had different stages and we did go from okay open okay let's have it a close relationship at one point it was like only one partner 
uh, goes out and explores. And at some point we had it closed and then we opened it again, you know, so it was a bit of a back and forth. It was not like a clear cut. Now, there was a point where we decided, you know, we have enough of doing this. And also we realized it's becoming complicated uh, with emotions. Yes, you can go and have sex with someone else. Um, but if you are drawn to this person and you start building an emotional connection, it can become more messy. Uh, and, you know, like a relationship by itself can take work because you bring all kinds of ideas and conditionings from your childhood into a relationship and you're relating and so you know having one person is can be a lot of work having two people is even more work so we we tried that and after that we were like you know this is it i we don't want to actually go further with other people let's just stick with ourselves especially once we really realized how easy it is to use an open relationship or polyamory as an escape you know like you have a problem or something like that you you can easily subsidize it with someone else and some other experience rather than just face what actually needs to be faced. And that greatly inhibits the growth of the relationship. And also once we really saw, you know, the pleasure, the short-lived pleasure you get from being with someone else, yes, it is nice to have, but it is not long-lasting. And what we have discovered now is that when you do commit and you do work through the things that show up, the fulfillment the richness the beauty that you can experience in a relationship is so much more than a honeymoon period the honeymoon is is actually very superficial compared to the depth that a relationship can bring to the table when you actually go through the difficult times so i would say you know i know yakin for 10 years now we met each other really young, but we, we've been together since that whole time. I guess we weren't ever really friends. So it's only been the last quarter of our relationship have we realized what it is that we want to create with one another, um, how much we value and cherish each other, and the priorities have really shifted in the last quarter of uh, our time together. Until now. <laughs> What kind of priorities would you say? Could you give us an example or two? Yeah, so the, the priorities for us was to just look at what is the relationship that we want to have? What, what, is the, uh, what do we want to nurture in the relationship? Because in normal like views, it's normal. Oh, you know, your wife is bickering or nagging or blaming and there's this kind of fighting or side stabbing going on or backstabbing and little snide remarks. And that seems to be normal for long-term couples. And actually what we realized, no, this is not necessarily, well, it can be normal, but it's not healthy. And it's not what we want. So what we want is we want to have a relationship that's empowering for both of us, that's rooted in love and where insecurities uh, need to be addressed. Uh, they are not something that we want to just let run around in our relationship because they can have a great impact on the relationship. And so that's the commitment. The commitment is towards love and towards service towards each other and the priorities have also changed in that our time together has shown that we can literally bring out the worst or the best in each other like since meeting each other i know that we have grown so much as people and that's a wonderful thing but i've also seen how when we live kind of in an unchecked and very unconscious way I become, I can, or I 
used to be extremely controlling, <laughs> especially in the household and how I like to do things and how Yahim should do things. So I thought, and I could also come across as like this mothering figure, always taking care of Yahim, like he's not capable himself of taking care of himself. So it also brought up bits and bobs within me where I saw, okay, there's lots of insecurities there where he would just want to take a walk by himself and I would feel totally abandoned. So there were so many bits and bobs that I saw that the red buttons we would press uh, on each other and how it would bring out those insecurities and the worst parts of me. I don't even like nagging at him. I don't like to control him and be condescending and to be constantly complaining about dishes or something stupid like that. But that happened. <laughs> like in, in long-term relationship, that happens. You live together, you're building this ecosystem together. So I saw how there was this huge contrast between the better, best self that I could be with him and also the worst self that brought out, say, like the qualities that I maybe really despise within my parents, but I was living that. So by by noticing that my, and I think yours too, Yahim, our priorities shifted to, okay, now that we know this is huge contrast, we can live in this relationship from the worst to the best. So we're choosing living for the best. All Everything that you just said, that kind of is the basis as to why you guys decided to go into this industry of relationship coaching or is there another backstory to that no i think that that really sums it up because once you actually have transformed your relationship and you see what's possible you're like oh my god people need to know this you don't have to settle nor do you have to put up with a relationship where you have those dysfunctional pattern playing out unchecked you really don't have to there's so much more possible and when you actually transform your relationship, you get to impact the world in a much more significant way because you are living the change. You're not talking about change. You're actually being the change. And something I learned that really motivated me to go into this space is that at the beginning, I could not communicate at all about how I was feeling. I wasn't at all in touch with my emotions. So whenever we had an issue, Yachim and I, he would have to like do this archaeological dig and ask me, are you okay? What's wrong? No, I can see something's wrong. Tell me, what is it? And he would have to ask and ask and ask. And maybe I would crack open a little bit in order to help resolve whatever it is that we were going through. But I had to really learn that. And, and just because I didn't understand my feelings or how I was feeling and my emotions, and I could in no way <laughs> therefore even communicate that, that doesn't mean that I wasn't always and still am an extremely sensitive person. I just kind of swallowed down everything that I felt. I didn't know how to process this or name it or anything. So now I've realized the importance of being so sensitive. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are extremely sensitive and you feel a lot. And when something is off, you pick up on it, even though you can't quite describe what's going on. And there's a lot that you kind of soak up like a sponge, you know, emotionally. So I realized over time that 
those things are really important. I used to think that I'm just too sensitive or that I'm making a big deal out of nothing or that it's not worth talking about or bringing up. But over time, I realized that's exact information you need. Your emotions are trying to guide you. You know, that sensitivity and feeling that guides you and that helps you with every step to pivot towards something that you want in terms of the relationship itself. So that was a huge learning for me to take how I feel seriously because I didn't always used to, especially in my early 20s. I would swallow down a lot of stuff. I would have my boundaries crossed also a lot, mostly because I didn't know myself very well. I didn't know how I felt very well. And I didn't even take that information as something valuable. Like I was always brushing myself aside, if that makes sense. So that makes a huge difference. So in the end, I think it does go back to valuing and respecting yourself enough to to do something about it. They say time and time again, like in any book that you read about relationships, like communication is key. Oh, like you have to work on communication. But people are like, I guess as a whole society, like we suck at communicating. We are the absolute worst and everyone knows communication is key, but we don't know where to start. For you guys and with all of the people that you've worked with, what is their biggest fault in these relationships? Would you say it's communication or is it a plethora of things? Well, it, it definitely is a number of things. When we think of communication, we often think of communication with someone else. However, actually, the communication starts with yourself first. So as Natasha, for example, was, was saying, she was swallowing things down. So if you're not honest to yourself, if you're not actually feeling into yourself and where you're standing, if you have a certain ideology, for example, that you think you have to live up to and you're forcing yourself into this role model, you are cutting your own wisdom off. And so that's where the communication has already gone wrong. It's before you open your mouth to talk with your spouse in the first place. And and the other thing is that people are looking for communication. They think about communication in terms of words. But communication is so much more than words. It is how you're carrying yourself. How are you breathing? How are you looking at each other? And also, if communication becomes the tool to fix things, what you're missing out on is actually connection. Good communication happens when you're connected to each other. You feel connected because when you have walls up and you're all defensive and insecure and all of that, it's much more difficult to have a fruitful conversation. So there's a bunch of things in relationships that we need to respect and learn and look at because so much of what we are bringing to the table has been impacted by we have, how we've grown up. You know, you learn certain coping mechanisms. Uh, you, your sister is beating you up or something like that. You throw a temper tantrum and you get your way, you know, and you, you start bringing that into the relationship. But now you're, you're in your 20s or 30s or whatever, and you're still behaving like you're a five-year-old. And mm-hmm. so that is something that needs to be looked at because those coping mechanisms are only coping mechanisms. They're not mechanisms that will help the relationship to thrive. And I can add on to that in terms of actual communication. When I was uh, really stuck in that controlling and displeased self, 
regarding Yahim in the household and whatever else I'm unhappy with, there was one thing I did, if you want to call it communication. I did not even talk to him. I wasn't looking at him, but I would be correcting whatever mess he created, so-called mess. And I would just go, <sighs> you know, <laughs> I would just sigh. Be like, oh. And he would be maybe at the other end of the room and he would hear. I know he would hear. I made it loud enough for him to hear. And that was my way of complaining. You know, I was showing him that I'm not happy with you. You did something wrong again. I'm so annoyed. You useless thing. You know, I was saying all those things without needing to say it just by sighing in a certain specific sigh also. Right. And probably I was probably, probably like maybe, I don't know, say washing dishes. I'd be like putting it onto the drying rag all like loudly and all that kind of stuff. So, so communication isn't just communication. Like if you look back at that sigh and that body language and the noises I'm making, right? I'm trying to express something, but what's really behind that action, right? Probably I have a need that's unmet. There's probably things that we disagree on that we haven't worked out. There are probably things I value that he maybe doesn't. So there's so much to actually break down and work on together but if you communicate in the way that I used to it's just not helpful so you're just communicating in a way where emotionally you're letting the person know how not happy you are but in no way does it solve anything it just breaks you two apart even further Yahim was laughing at the beginning because the sighing definitely triggered him. He was like, yep, I remember that very clearly. Yes. (laughs) Very, very much so. That was really uh, quite something for me. (laughs) So subtle, but, you know, in in a way, well, you know, she doesn't have to say anything, but the impact was definitely there for me. (laughs) You're like, oh, gosh, what did I do this time? What's wrong? Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. That's how it was. And, And the good news is that that kind of thing is gone, you know, and that's what we're trying to say to people is that no matter what kind of behavior or things you have playing out in your relationship, it can change if you're committing to a more beautiful and more fulfilling relationship. Something that 20-year-olds, 20-somethings nowadays, myself included, we really don't know how to date. And I think that we don't know how to commit, especially because we're in the digital age. Like if we're not getting our satisfaction from one person, we can find it in another. That's what dating apps are for. Like, oh, if I feel like I'm not not finding like the one on Tinder, let me just hop onto Hinge real quick. Super easy. What do you think is something that 20-somethings forget about when they're dating or whether they're in a, a committed relationship? What's one piece of advice that you guys would remind people of? I believe we the the best thing you can really we can really give is 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 coming back to this idea of a pleasure trap. The, the pleasure is not happiness, okay? Pleasure isn't happiness and pleasure is not deep satisfaction and fulfillment. And when we don't know this, we keep pushing the button for pleasure, whatever that is, whether that's Netflix, whether that's sex, whether that's work, whether that's shopping. And we keep having to increase the load because it's not satisfying us anymore. You know, it's kind of wearing us down. And so if you want to stop escaping and and just keep going for for the pleasure which ultimately is actually not satisfying uh you 
you need to have the contrast. You need to start looking at actually, okay, so what happens if I stop looking for pleasure? However you're getting. So for example, if you're hooked on one night stands, what if you just stop having one night stands, stop watching porn, stop you know doing anything in this regard? How are you going to react to that? And that's just one step in the right direction to start breaking this cycle. Because it's so easy to lie to yourself and be like, you know, I'm just so hip and cool. I can, you know, I just don't buy into the commitment and all of that. But actually, when you really become honest and a bit more quiet within yourself and you start to listen to yourself, you'll notice that there are things that you are not really acknowledging. And the wisdom is in you. You know, when you actually do listen to yourself, you have the power to create a relationship that's deeply satisfying. I love that. I love the phrasing pleasure trap because I see myself and my friends just falling into it time and time again. And it's true. You know, I think with being in COVID, people are falling into these pleasure traps even more quickly than they were before, if that was Mm. even like fucking possible, but it is. So to uh, like put that into perspective, you know, you really have to see it and be like, all right, I'm doing it again, being mindful of it and saying, all right, this isn't going to give me, this is only going to give me satisfaction for five minutes. Like what's going to be a long lasting happiness for myself. Um, guys, thank you so, so much for coming onto the show. I've got to ask, like, where can people find you guys to learn more? Yeah, you can find us at yourexceptionalrelationship.com. You can also put in a forward slash understand if you want to dive deeper into the common mistakes and messes that people find themselves in in terms of relationships and the pillars of an exceptional relationship that we have identified. And that will help you a long way if you want something that's long-term, that's satisfying, that's that, that brings out the best in you. So you can find more over there. Awesome. Well, Yahim, Natasha, thank you so, so much again for being on the show. Guys, I hope you enjoyed. I learned a lot. I hope you guys did too. If you had some fun listening to us, feel free to leave a rate, review, follow, whatever on these streaming platforms because I swear every other day they're adding a new feature. Um, Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at inyour20s. That's 20s with a Y-S. And if you want to be on the show, need to rant, any of that stuff, feel free to send an email to inyour20s at gmail.com. Or if you hate email, because I know some of my listeners absolutely do not look at their email. They have a thousand notifications. Yes, I am 1000% calling you out. You guys can just send a DM to the Insta. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Tina with an H and I'll talk to you next time.